If you have a Bible this morning, find the book of Matthew. Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter number 6. Matthew 6 is where we're going to be. We've been in this series titled Stuck. Uh, in fact, we've been like eight weeks in this series uh, talking about all sorts of things that are holding us back, uh, things that are keeping us from being free. We've talked about like sin. We talked about pornography one week. That's tough stuff right there. Uh, mental illness and depression and anxiety and negativity. And like, it, it's just been a series where we have hit a number of very relevant topics, right? Uh, and I have not had more, more comments about a series than I, you know, in, in like the 12 years that I've, I've been here at this church than I've had about this series. Uh, and it is, I just feel like it has been a relevant thing. And I hope that this has been more than just the church talking about this stuff. You know, my, uh, our, our vision in this is, is that things would change, that you would no longer be stuck in this junk. And that we would find ways to move forward in some of this. And so don't just hear this stuff and be like, yeah, that's good. And wow, that's helpful. And then walk out the door and live the same. Let's do something about some of this stuff. And, uh, and so that's just a big deal to me. But we've been in this series. Today we are taking the most crazy turn in the history of the world. No, I'm, that's, I just threw that out there. But uh, we, are, we are starting a brand new message series. And hold on, this is about to be epic. I don't know if you can handle the creativity and the depth that is our staff around here, uh, of, like in what I'm about to say, because the title of our new message series is simply Unstuck. <laughs> the turtle has flipped over, if you didn't catch that, and has the word un in front of it. That was hours and hours of planning and prayer why are we changing from stuck to unstuck? What's going on here? Let me explain this here really quick. There are all sorts of things that are keeping us from moving forward in our lives, areas where we're not free. That's what we've been talking about, stuck. Uh, but there are also very specific things that we can be doing, like proactive things, things that can jumpstart our relationship with God, growth in our lives in different ways like that. Like more specifically, like growth in our spiritual life is what we're doing. So sometimes the reason we are stuck is because we are not doing things, if that makes sense. Like, like getting your car stuck uh, doesn't always involve mud or snow or ice or even a ditch. Sometimes you get stuck in your car because you forgot to put gas in. Are you with me? Uh, uh, raise your hand if you ever ran out of gas on the side of the road. Okay, not as many as I thought. Uh, you're, you're like, no, we, we, I never wait till it gets to empty. I feel it half, no, whatever. All right, uh, I, I've only ran out of gas one time in my life. And I was actually a teenager. In fact, I was driving with my little sister, Kelly, and we were, uh, we were going somewhere, it doesn't even matter. And all of a sudden, like, car makes funny noise. I'm going, I don't know what's happening. I'm 16 or whatever, and nothing. You know, then we're just dead on the side of the road. And there's no cell phones at this time, of course. Uh, some of you are like, what? There was no That's a real thing? Yeah. They, so, so we get out of the car, and what you do is you just walk to the closest house and pound on the door. That's really all that you have to do. And so some guy walks to the front, and he sees two teenagers, and we're going, I don't know what to do. And he grabs a gas can, fills us up like 
That's the entire story. I know that there should be a punchline and this should be more funny than it is, but we're stuck on the side of the road, uh, not because we had gotten stuck in the ditch, and I've done that before as well, uh, but, but because we ran out of gas. We, we, I didn't do something, and it caused me to be, to be stuck. I didn't put gas in the car. And I'm telling you, many, many of us here today and many who are watching even right now, like you are stuck in your spiritual life because you are not doing things. You're not doing something. And so for the next few weeks, we're going to look at a very specific things, and this is actually going to take us all the way up until Christmas, because this is going to take a little bit of a Christmas turn, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a heads up. Our, like, our slide over here might add a little, we might have some Christmas stuff with our turtle here. It, we could see. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. We'll just see, okay? Yeah. Uh, but we're going to talk about this stuff, uh, specific ways that you can get unstuck in your spiritual life. And that's what this is about. One of the things, this is not in my notes, and I probably shouldn't even go here, but that's okay. One of the things that has a little bit bothered me about the past seven weeks in this series where we've been talking about these things is that, is that everything that we have been talking about has been so relevant to everybody and anyone whether you are in church, out of church, whether you care about God or don't care about God, that, that a lot of the last number of weeks for me has been people where God has not really been the center of this, if that makes sense. I want to get healthy because of my family. and I, I, I don't want to carry this stuff around anymore because I need to be free. But my, understand that the heart in this entire thing is not just that you would live your life free, but it would, that, it would like that you would be able to experience everything God has for you. That's what this has really been about. And today, we kind of take a turn. And, and in a way, you'll hear this in a moment when I give you the title of what we're talking about here. Today is for people who want to know more about God and who want to know God better and who want to grow in that way. And, and if that's not you today, maybe you're here, like maybe you're here just first, second time, whatever, and you're just kind of checking things out, a friend. Like, like you may hear this and, and have different things that go through your mind, but there are some of us here where you are at a spot in your life where you're like, I, I want to experience God more, and yet I'm not doing some of these things. And that's what this is. That's what this is today, okay? Uh, today's a doozy. Here's my title for today. Why I tithe. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, great, he's talking about money. This is not what I was thinking was, okay. All right, here we go. Please stand with me all over this place. And let's just start by reading our passage of scripture for today. This is Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse number 19. Matthew 6, 19. And uh, we're going to jump around. Lots of Bible today in all sorts of different places and I uh, want to paint a picture for you of something that I feel has just changed my life. Okay, uh, Matthew six nineteen says this, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Verse 33, but seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. God, I pray for open hearts and open minds. I pray that, that as, as we look at your very word, that, that things would happen, and that we would just kind of feel you in a way, pushing us and pulling us forward and, and moving us, God. And so, Lord, I just pray that someone in this place would get unstuck spiritually, uh, and that we would move closer and closer to you. That's our prayer, God. Uh, help me, use me, speak through me. God, I, want, I don't want my thoughts and my words. I really want this to be from you, and so we just pray for that, God, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. Let's go. All right, hey, um, I, I used to struggle a lot more talking about money um, in church, uh, but as the older that I've gotten, to be honest, I really just don't care that much anymore. Uh, but p- part of why I used to struggle is I, I used to kind of put myself in your minds and imagine some of the things that you guys thought. Seriously. And, and, I, would, and I would get up here and I'd talk about money, and in, in the back of my, my head I'm thinking, oh great, you know, someone's here for the first time or second time or a hundredth time, and they're just thinking, great, all this church wants is my money. Here we go again, another church that talks about this, or something like, the church shouldn't talk about money. That shouldn't be, we should talk about Jesus and love and whatever else like that. Well, the reality is, and I've just totally come to grips with this, that Jesus talked about money all the time, Uh, almost more than anything else that he talked about. Jesus talked about money more than he talked about love, more than he talked about heaven or hell, he talked about money five times more than he talked about faith. Uh, I mean, it, it's just, he talked about this all the time, and some of, the, some of the things that he said about money are some of the most pointed, harsh, difficult things that ever came out of his mouth that we have recorded. I mean, seriously, it is crazy how often that he talks about this, and honestly, I can come into this today talking about this topic with what I feel like is is pure motives in this. Uh, I really do. By the way, your church is the healthiest it has ever been in its 95 years uh, of existence. Financially, things are stellar around here. Uh, We have experienced 12 years of consecutive financial growth here at this church. We're healthier than we've ever been. We're doing more than we've ever done. We're sending more missionaries than we've ever sent. We're hiring additional staff and pastors. We have reserves in place for the future. God has blessed this church. And we really feel that like God is is building this. And and we just love that. You are a part of a very healthy church family. And, And I just say that to say I, I don't preach on tithing today because the church needs it. I preach on tithing because I believe you need it. And I believe that this is something that can unstuck you in a massive, massive way. Unstuck you, is that a, I don't know if that, all right. I want your relationship with God to be in a place that it has never been before. And that is my motive in any, in any piece of this today. And it would, when it comes to your relationship with God, biblically, how you handle your money matters massively. Like, it matters. And listen, specifically for those here today and those watching online where your desire is to experience more of God in your life, uh, like, I truly believe that this topic of tithing can be one of the biggest things to get you unstuck. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to define this word 
tithing and tithe. And then we're going to go on a little bit of a journey through the Old Testament and see where this came and what this was. Uh, and, and then we're really just going to look at some of the words that Jesus said. Uh, and, then it, and then if we get to the very end, I'm just going to very clearly just tell you why I tithe. And so that, that sounds like a lot. Hopefully we don't miss the Vikings game. Uh, this is the first service even. So you are in luck. You got it. We got to get you out of here so we can get the other church and the other people in. So we're all right. Okay. Um, tithing. Here we go. What is, what is the tithe? Uh, well, most of the Bible is written in the language of Hebrew, most of it, and then uh, a third or so is written in Greek is really what we have. Uh, the word tithe comes from the Hebrew word that's, that's called meser, meser, easy to define, it just literally means a tenth, like 10%, that's what it means, a dime, you got it, okay? Uh, but tithing is the principle in the Bible of returning to God the first 10, 10% of your income. Now, the very first place that we see uh, this word is in the first book of the Bible called Genesis. This is way back, way back in history. In fact, Genesis chapter 1 tells the story of God creating people and creating uh, everything here. We're looking at Genesis chapter 14. So what we're reading today is page number 36 out of 2,953 pages in my Bible. Okay, so just in perspective here. And here's what it says. Verse 19, chapter 14, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then it just says, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. The word tenth here is our word maser, it's the word tithe. Uh, that word can be like interchangeable. When we see tenth and we see tithe, that's like, it's like the same. So Abraham, eventually he's going to be known as Abraham, He's with the priest, and the priest says, God has given you incredible victory in battle, and Abraham is like, yes, God has given me victory in battle and in so many other places, and because I realize that God is the one doing this, and God has done so much for me, I want to give God back, and, he says, and so it's here, it says, I give God a tenth of everything that I have in order to say thank you to God in the, in the form of giving it through this temple, okay? Genesis chapter 28, just a few pages later, this man named Jacob has this dream where God promises, where God speaks to him, promises to be with him and bless him and all this type of stuff. Uh, verse number 20 tells us how Jacob responds. It says, then Jacob, God has showed up in this, like this angel speaks to him. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me, and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and it will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be, like this will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth, okay? And so this shows up, we have this word showing up again, everything I have from you, I'm realizing this, it's all from you, and I vow to give a tenth of it back to you is what it says. Now, th understand, there's nowhere in the Bible that ever says a 20th or a fifth. Like, it's, when you look at this idea in the Old Testament specifically, it, it's always this word, a tithe, a tenth. It's kind of a weird thing for us to think about, like, well, you know, and uh, the third book of the Bible, the tithe is commanded from God at this point. 
uh, to the Jewish people and the Jewish law. Like this scripture was not necessarily written for us. This was God's law to these Jewish people. But I do want you to see the progression here. This is Leviticus chapter 27. God says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. God, he commands them to, you know, this is an agricultural society. 10%, a tenth needs to come back to God. It is holy to the Lord. The fifth book of the Bible, we're still way back, 66 total books. We're now in book number five. Deuteronomy talks about why the Jewish people were commanded to tithe. Uh, it says this, verse 22, be sure to set aside a tenth of all that your fields produce each year. And then verse 23, so that you may learn to revere the Lord your God always. Okay? And then probably the most famous passage of scripture on this uh, idea of tithing with the Jewish people uh, comes from a book in the Bible called Malachi. It's super intense, uh, written to the Jewish people who were not tithing their income. Are you ready for this? It's really harsh, I promise you, if you've never heard it, okay? Here's what it says. It says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And the people are like, how are we robbing you, God? Uh, and God replies and says, in tithes and offerings. Uh, in the Old Testament, to these specific people, God says, you're actually robbing me by not following this command that I have given you in order so that you bring 10% of everything back to me. You're robbing me because you're not doing that. Here's the result, verse number 9, get ready. He says to these people, you are under a curse, the whole nation. Because you are robbing me. The problem, the problem, you're robbing God but not bringing your tithes and your offerings. The solution comes in verse number 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now we've, uh, so far, a lot of this idea of tithe has been bringing crops, right? It's been grain and different things. So we have this storehouse. They would bring all of that to this place in the temple and they would fill this with food, why would they do that? So that they could help people and they could serve people and they could do everything that they're supposed to do at the temple. Uh, and so this was a way that it kind of, this God-centered, uh, God way that he lined all this up so that the temple could do what they were supposed to do. They can provide temple worship. It can help with widows and orphans and all that type of stuff. Like, listen, when the, when the people tithed, the temple had everything that they needed in order to do everything that God wanted them to do. Okay, that's, that's what we have right here. The verses go on, you are robbing me, stop it, bring your tithe to the storehouse so that it can be full. And then God says this, test me in this. Now this is actually the only place in the Bible where we see this language of test God, test him in this. He says it to these people, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. That's what came with the tithe for these people, this, these Jewish people, was this promise that if you do this, return to me 10% of everything, then I promise to take care of you. It was this agreement that they had. I promise to bless you. Your fields are going to grow better than they did if you didn't. You're going to, okay, you're going to have more. You're going to be more healthy. All this is laid out in the Old Testament in this way, okay? Now, listen to me. This was God speaking to very specifically to these Jewish people at this very specific time in history. These people had stopped listening to what God had said. They had forgotten God and that showed up in the way that they started handling their money. Do you hear that? 
They forgot God, and the result was their money began to change. They forgot God, and their money began to, in a way, more and more and more and more for me, less and less and less and less here. When they forgot God, that began to happen, okay? Uh, in this particular passage of Scripture, we see this idea of tithing connected with God's blessing. We read that, test me in this. I believe, biblically, when we look at this idea of a tenth, um, that it's connected to the blessing of God in our lives. And I hesitate to even talk about stuff like this because all sorts of TV preachers like whack this stuff up so much that uh, like it, it makes you, like I'm tired of people saying, if you send money into me, God will bless you with more, whatever, okay? Like seriously, that's, that's misuse of all of this. Let me be clear, blessing biblically is not always money. You could even say most of the time. It's not in that way. There are a lot of people who are stinking wealthy, and they're not very blessed. Does anyone agree with me on that, okay? And I'd say that for most of us, even in this place, the blessing that we need from God is not financial. And of course, we'd say, yeah, I would love to have more blessing financially from God so I can buy a new truck or whatever. That's not really how this is supposed to work. Just understand that. And so I even hesitate to throw some of this at me. The blessing of God can show itself in so many different ways. Relationships, families, physical bodies, whatever. Uh, but I do believe in this biblical idea of God's favor and in a way God being on our side. Not that bad things don't happen. Not that you won't have cancer or someone in your family is going to get sick. Like don't misunderstand me. But there's just something there biblically when it comes to this okay we don't have time to look at all of that that's a different topic so back to where we started with matthew chapter six jesus is in, uh has now all this is old testament jewish stuff jesus shows up to that world he's a jew and he is born as a jewish person lives and grows up among these people who are following all of this type of law stuff and eventually people follow him. Why are they following him? He's doing miracles, and everyone wants to see Jesus, thousands of people. Well, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 tell the story of him uh, up on this kind of side of this mountain, and he gives this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. There was literally a crowd of more than a thousand people below him, and he talks, and he talks about prayer, and he gives the Lord prayer for the first time, and then right in the middle of this sermon, Jesus just goes off on the topic of money just really, really hits it. And he's super harsh. And some of the things he says are like pointed and offensive and all of this uh, and questioning. I mean, it's kind of weird. And so here, here's what he says. It, it's a whole big portion. And I've kind of skipped a few different things just for the sake of time. But just understand, he goes for like 25 verses here. We just go and just mows everybody down on this topic of money. It's crazy. Okay, verse number 19. So here we go, right in the middle of that and you can see this, he just says, don't store up treasure for yourself on earth. Where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus here has a different understanding than us when it comes to our existence. He understands that 80 years of our life here, 90 years of our life, is a blip on the radar screen compared to eternity. So for him... The idea of anyone storing up wealth, having all of everything and whatever, is, is semi-ridiculous. For us, we have a hard time with that because we are, we are here and now, and it's hard for us to get out of that. 
Okay, so understand where Jesus is coming from here. He's got a little different perspective than the rest of us. Would you agree? Yeah, okay. All right, but then he says this line. He says in verse 21, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's, it's, it's this idea of our heart and our money are connected. Okay, connected in that. Okay, we'll come back to that a little bit. Verse 24, and he goes off here on this part. No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. And the people are thinking, Jesus, what are you talking about? And he says, you cannot serve both God and money. You can't do it. Like, uh, think about this. Out of all the things that Jesus could have picked in this verse, in his little sermon here, to be the number one competitor to God. Out of everything, he, he, he did not say, you, it, you cannot serve both God and Satan. You can't do it. You cannot serve both God and yourself. He doesn't say that, does he? Like, this is, this is interesting. He says you cannot serve both God and money. He's saying this to a crowd of Jewish people, and he's saying this to us. You cannot serve both God and money. Like, I think you could argue that for Jesus, how a person handles their money is connected with who they are serving. Would you agree with me on that? Nod your head. How a person handles their money, connected to who they are serving. And then we get to this famous verse in the Bible, Matthew 6, 33. We quote this thing, we say this thing all the time, but we do not always put this into the, into the box of, this is his conversation about money still. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And we look at that and we say, yes, seek God first. Jesus is talking about money. He's been talking about money. He's talking about money right there. Seek seek first the kingdom of God. Not generally, not generic, even though that's a good thing to seek first God's kingdom in everything that you do. Right here, though, he's talking about money. Now, listen to me. People argue over whether tithing is still something for today. Okay? And, And I can understand some of this argument. We have the Old Testament law, but tithing predates that with Abraham and Jacob. That was before the Old Testament law came. Um, and we have tithing just being a massive part of the Old Testament. Jesus comes, Jesus changed a lot of things from the law. There's a lot of things that we no longer do that they did. And when Jesus came, everything changed because, you know, uh, things are different now that Jesus died. And so there's, so there's kind of this argument where people talk, talk about this type of stuff uh, some people say, no, it's just for them. Um, I, I do personally believe that this is 100% for today, but listen to me when I say this. For me, I don't really care. Like, I, I don't care if this is an actual command for believers today. Why? Because what I have found is like, when you get to the place where you just want more of God in your life, you start looking for ways to serve him. And you start looking for ways to experience everything that he has for you. And there is no doubt in my mind that this biblical principle of tithing does that. And it moves people. And it changes things in a massive way. Not in a rigid law following, gotta check my box for all the type of stuff. That is not a healthy way to do anything in religion. Like seriously. 
This is an overflow of our hearts when, it look, when we look at, you know, why do we go to church? You don't go to church because you're supposed to go to church. If you're doing that, you're not doing it right. We go to church because of our love for God and to experience him more and because we, we understand the power of gathering together and singing and praying and encouraging and all of that. Like for me, it, it's this beautiful, powerful thing that I get to be a part of. It's really what it is for me, okay? So let's, let's kind of end with this, uh, why I tithe, personally. Why I tithe. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one, tithing puts God first in my life. That's the idea of tithing. Tithing is the first. Uh, bring the first 10%. That we see that all throughout, you know, the first fruits is what, that's a term we have in the Old Testament. Uh, we just heard Jesus say, seek first first, this idea of first matters. When we're looking at who we are serving and whatever, I want to serve God first in my life. I want he to be top. I want he to be number one. You know what I'm talking about? This is my desire in my life. Tithing puts God first in my life. We want God first, and I would say it this way. If God is not first in your finances, I'm not sure he's first anywhere in your life. Like, I'll just jump out and, and smack you a little bit upside the head with that, okay? Uh, our, like, where your treasure is, your heart will also be, will be also. Uh, if God is not first in your finances, I'm not so sure he's first anywhere in your, in your life. Our money indicates what is first in our lives. Uh, you you want to know what's most important to you? Look at your checkbook and your calendar. Seriously, look at that. Where are you throwing your money? How are you spending your time? We'll show you the things that are most important to you, okay? I could look at your checkbook right now, and I could show you the most important things in your life. Some of you are like, I don't, what's a checkbook? Okay, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's an old thing, I think. But for me, tithing is a very tangible way to put God first in my life. The number one thing, the first thing I do when I get paid is to respond to God. Number one. First thing to give to God before I pay the mortgage, I give back to God. Before uh, we buy groceries, I give back to God. Before we pay bills, I give back to God 10%, a tenth of my income. And I'm even crazy with this, and some people argue about this type of stuff. I give my 10% even before taxes are taken out. Like, that's, that's how I do this for me. Uh, 10%, that's what the tithe means. Tithe is putting God first in our lives. Most people just kind of give God the leftovers. Like if I haven't spent it all, if I haven't, if it hasn't all gone to bills, if America hasn't taken it all, if I haven't invested or saved it all, if at that point, if there's anything left over, then I will give. But the issue with that from a Bible's perspective is that essentially God is getting the leftovers and really what you are doing, and I hesitate to even say this because it's kind of like a little harsh and mean, but really what you're doing is more of a tip than a tithe. Like if I have anything left over, I'm just going to kind of throw a couple bucks on the table because of the good service. Whoa, that came out kind of cool. You know, but you know what I'm talking about. It's how... It's how we kind of handle things. I'm going to just, I'm here today, I might as well throw a $5 bill in. And I don't mean, I don't mean to like smack you, especially for some of us, 
you're brand new at this, and I don't mean that to come. There's some of us, though, where you are stuck in your spiritual life. You're apathetic, and you're complacent, and you want out. And I'm telling you, there are not a whole lot of places that will unstuck you a little bit faster than this right here as you begin to put God first in that way, okay? Um, I tithe to keep God first in my life. Number two, and there's only two, don't worry, okay? (laughs) Number two, tithing keeps me involved in the vision of my church, okay? Uh, By the way, I'm, I'm all about people tithing to their church. If you're here today and this is not your church, don't tithe here. Don't give here like that way. Tithe to your church. If you're watching online right now and this is not your church, okay, tithe to your church. Don't, don't do that. Okay, just understand. But tithing keeps me involved in the vision of my church. Let me illustrate this quickly, I promise. I have a couple friends that are like super into investments, stock market stuff, and, and all of that. And it's so funny to hear them talk about this because all of a sudden they're super interested in some random company that they've never heard of. And they've heard that this is like a big deal. And so they throw money in this right here. And now all of a sudden, they, they didn't care about whatever before. But now they're on like sales calls. And they're listening to the, they're following the CEO online. They're looking at all sorts of reports and stuff. And they're Googling things. And they're laying this all out here. All of a sudden, they're, they're seriously uh, like completely interested in this thing that they'd never heard of before. Why? It's completely related to the fact that they have their money there. It really is. And, and then they sell, get rid of it, either to make a profit or lose money and whatever, and their interest completely disappears from that company. They, they no longer follow it anymore. They no longer care. Why? Because they're no longer invested. And so listen to me. From like a pastor's perspective and, for, and, and just for me personally, when I invest even financially in something like this church, I believe it's a God thing and I believe whatever, but like just, just realistically here, it changes things. All of a sudden this becomes my church in a little bit of a different way. And now instead of just stepping over the nasty paper towels on the floor in the bathroom over there, now I'm like picking them up and I'm throwing them away. Because all of a sudden, this is my church. And, this, and, I, and I care about how things go here. Because my money has been invested. There's something that happens when your money goes there. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You want to direct your heart. Don't miss this. You want to direct your heart. Your heart can be directed by, the, by, by where you put your money. So if you don't feel love for the, and passion for God's church, start giving towards it. And watch how incredible it is your heart begins to grow because your finances, and like, like I, I just come from the perspective where I just feel like there's no greater investment that a person can give than the local church. Like, I'm passionate about it. I invest in it. I raise my kids in the church. I find my friends in the church. If you're single, find your spouse in the church. Like, you take communion in the church. You get in a small group in the church. And if you die, we'll do a service for you and bury you, you know? Like, come on. Some of you are like, why do you go there? That's really weird. (laughs) We believe in the local church. And when I tithe, I move from a spectator to a participator in what God is doing through his church. I move in that direction. Because there are many of us here where if you look at this word spectator compared to participator, you know, a spectator defines a lot of us when it comes to church. And I think that's where we start, and so I don't mean to make that come across in a way that it's not, but I don't think it's the end goal. 
is for us to be a spectator here. And now when we begin to hear about missionaries being sent or people around the world being sent or churches being planted, like you can think to yourself, I'm doing that. I'm a part of, I'm a part of that. Tithing keeps me involved in the vision of my local church. That is why I tithe, to keep God first, to keep me involved. And we could go on. There's other things as well, but like I need to bring this to a close. I've already kind of went long today. Uh, music team, will you please come? If you're here today, don't, don't check out yet. Some of you are still glaring at me from the moment I <laughs> gave the title. That's okay. But if you're here today and, and you don't tithe, like you don't give your first 10% of your income to your church, uh, I, I want to just kind of ask you why. And I don't really want your answers. But, but why? why? Why don't you tithe? And I think for most of us, it could be answered in one of three ways. And there's some of us that maybe fit into other things and whatever. But like, number one, some of us think I can't afford it. Okay? Um, I can't afford it. What's interesting is that there's another group in this place that literally will say things like, I can't afford not to tithe. Like they'll say it that way can't afford not to because it's just been so significant in my life and significant okay it's about trust it's about trusting God um, you think you if you think you can't afford to tithe then realistically understand that you might actually just be in a crazy good place to experience God as you say like yes I will put you first number two some of us in this place we don't tithe because we don't trust we don't trust this church trust the church when it comes to money and, and there are like whatever reason they don't trust maybe, maybe you've seen tv preachers and some of that stuff that makes me sick makes you sick as well maybe you've heard stories maybe you've been a part of churches in the past that like something happened when it comes to the money but you don't tithe because you don't trust the church and what i would just say to you today is find a church you can trust like serious find a church you can trust if you can't trust this church, then, then, then like, I, I release you to find a church you can trust. Seriously. I, I don't want you, I don't want anybody to leave. That's not my goal here. It's like, pastor kicked me out today. You know, someone's going to put that on Facebook today. That's not what I mean. But seriously, if you are dealing with a level of trust that you cannot trust your church uh, in, in this way, then, then, then this probably isn't the place for you. Find a place you can trust find a place that you can that you can invest in fully into the kingdom of God in that way that that is such a big deal um, number three and unfortunately this is a whole lot of people but none of us really want to admit it in this way you don't tithe because you really just don't care about growing spiritually and you're really just okay with where you're at and and I hear you I've been through seasons like that, and you're not alone. The reality of the situation is, in case you're feeling all squirmy right now, the massive majority of the people in churches across America don't do this. They don't do this. The average Christian gives somewhere between one, in America, gives somewhere between 1.9 and 2.5% of their income away, totally. 
not just to a church, 1.9 to 2.5% of our income as Americans. What's crazy is that statistic goes up in places around the world who have a fraction of what we have. In America, we are terrible givers. It's just a reality. Look at the statistics on this. And statistically, the more money a person makes, the less percentage of their income they give. You have someone who makes a million dollars a year compared to someone who makes $50,000 a year in America, this person gives a higher percentage away, statistically. And I don't mean to make, one of my, one of my least favorite things in the world is churches who fill people with guilt and manipulation when it comes to giving and, and money and all that stuff. That is not any of this. Do not give out of guilt. Do not give out of anything like that. If you feel junky and whatever, don't give. That's not what this is. But this principle of tithing, like seriously, I, I just believe that God created this system that accomplishes multiple things at the same time. It helps us keep God first in our lives as we prioritize him with something that costs us. Trust faith in God in a way physically in that way. It also help us, helps us deepen our relationship with church family. We've talked about that. At the same time, listen to this, and this is from way back in the Old Testament. It helps the church be able to better minister to this world and better serve and better meet needs and help those who are hurting and reach one more for Jesus Christ. This is all in one beautiful thing that we get to be a part of. We get to be a part of. Will you stand with me all over this place? not going to take an offering or something like that here, so don't feel that. Like, this is a, it's a hard thing between you and God, and I just feel like God had, had put on my heart this week to just present one of the things that I feel like has most impacted my spiritual life. That's what this is. That's why I decided to title this just Why I Tithe, because I was hoping to take the the blasted like you need to to just say hey this is there and you may have all sorts of weird things about it in your mind and you may like whatever but but seriously this is a beautiful amazing thing for me it really is and it didn't stop there for me generosity above and beyond this has just overflowed out of my life and grown and it's just a piece of who I am I experience God in ways right now than I ever have before, and I believe it's connected a lot to just my my willingness to live my life like this. Because I think many Christians just live like this. And I'm just telling you, I, like, I'm not sure the last thing I'll say, and then we're just going to pray. I'm, I, I don't think that as Christians we can live our lives like this as response to our money and have a vibrant life-giving, growing relationship with God. Because I believe that our hearts and our money are that connected. God, we just we just take a moment to just kind of pray. And God, I just acknowledge that for some of us in this room, this is another church talking about money and and even me saying this stuff doesn't help. God, I just, I pray, I just pray that your truth and your light and your heart would come out and be 
what's heard. God, that we just really have an opportunity to put you first in something that costs us. So God, we, we really do ask for your truth and your heart to come out of us. We desire to know you more and to experience you more and to hear you better and to live on mission and God, all of those things. So God, I just pray that for someone in this, for someone here today, that this would just be an understanding and a realization of something that they've really never put put everything together with. And so God, I just pray for that. Challenge us, challenge me, God, to, to give more and do more than I've ever done. I love you, God. It's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. One final thing here, just before we're done today, uh, we always just want to give people an opportunity to respond to the message of Jesus, uh, even for the first time. And so reality is we're all sinners and we've all made mistakes we've all messed up and that has caused an issue between our relationship with this perfect and holy God it's why he sent Jesus and if you put your you put your trust in Jesus and what he did for you then the Bible just says you can be saved what that means is you can be reconciled with this God it's this beautiful amazing thing and with no one looking around for just a moment of privacy before we go who here in this place would just say I have never I've never made that decision for myself to, to really give God my life and my heart. If that's you, will you just show me your hand for just a moment? If you're online right now, you can respond. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down online. You can respond to this as well. Anyone else that just says, yes, this is my day. This is my day to respond to God even for the first time. Church, let's just pray together. Pray this with me. Pray, Father God. I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. Forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Come on, can we put our hands together? All right, let, let me just speak this over you. May you walk out these doors and learn to put God first in every area of your life. And in doing that, may you experience more of him than you have ever had before. Come on, somebody. Thanks so much for coming today. You are dismissed.